All right, folks, welcome back to Literally Me. Um, this is a big episode. This is, uh, again, another sort of side app apart from our Ryan Gosling filmography journey. Uh, we just ended 2023 and uh, and figured that we would uh, kick off this year sort of talking about some of our favorite movies and just 2023 in general. And per usual, I'm joined by my boy Dino. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Excited to do this episode. I've been waiting, man. I've been cooking up this list. It wasn't easy, but I did it and I'm excited to hear yours. And 2023 was an interesting year for movies, so I'm excited. It was, yeah. I feel like in, in general, do you, do you feel like 2023 was like a solid year for movies, at least compared to previous years? It was. You can really feel like, because with COVID, you could feel like the 2021, 2022, those years, they had a little, a little less to offer, I think. And you can feel like those films like started rolling out in 2023 or like more of them came. And I think next year we're going to hit another slump a little bit, with like mm. a strike going on and things like that. So I think, yeah, I think 2023 was a good year in comparison to the last couple of years. And I think the next, at least the next year, but yeah. I think it was good yeah. year. What you? Yeah, I no, I agree. I'm I'm just looking back now at like some of the past years just to sort of see what came out, and I think that 2023. I don't know. I mean, I think it really it might be better than 2022, 2021 when I just kind of initially sort of letterboxed, uh, you know, top films of of those years. Um, I I feel like the main thing about it is that there was a lot of like really sort of like singular sort of films that were coming out this year things that uh were very much maybe not completely original but were at least super original to that filmmaker uh whereas maybe in the past there were more like general films that are really good but it's like oh anyone could have directed this or like there's nothing like that but this i felt like it was like oozing with like style from like all of the directors who were like making stuff this year um and for that reason, like now I'm looking at this list, and I'm like, this this might be the best uh, year of the 2020s so far. I mean, obviously, against 2020 itself was tough um, with with the pandemic. There wasn't that much uh, stuff, but uh, but yeah, I think so far this is this is the best. But I'm I'm, I'm surprised to hear you say because I'm I'm actually very excited for some of these 2024 films. Me as well. I think there are a lot of great ones, but I feel like this was the best since I think 2019 was like one of the strongest years. Yeah. We had. So I think this was the closest one to it. And what even was very interesting, what you mentioned briefly, like a lot more original stuff, at least with the big IPs, let's say like big superhero films, those didn't do well this year. Like you could really yeah. feel like those just kind of went under. People weren't as excited to see them. And that's why a lot of like other films just shine so much more. And that's really refreshing to see, even though I like superhero films, like that's just a great a great way for other films to like take the spotlight a little bit it's a good sign to have something like that like appearing and like even the films that like maybe didn't even crack my top 10 or films that like i appreciate but didn't love like they were all like a lot of like big films but they were somewhat original like somewhat original for the mm -hmm. most part you know what i mean they may be adaptations on books and things but not like uh a sequel of something yeah. or not a reboot or not some kind of remake 
Um, so that, that, that is super, super exciting. Um, and we'll, we'll get into, you know, obviously some of our favorite movies and things that we saw, some honorable mentions, our top 10, all that. What came out in 2023 that you didn't get a chance to see though? There were quite a lot of films because in the last couple of like days, I've been catching up with a lot of 2023 films. Yeah. Um, for the sake of just myself and also this list, this podcast. And I noticed like there are a lot of films that I didn't get a chance to see either because I missed them in theaters or because they're not available here or not yet available. For example, Poor, Th- Poor Things, I think, came out for you a couple of weeks yes. ago. Yes, that comes did. out in two weeks for me. So that could make the list okay. 2023 favorite films, but I don't know yet because it comes out in 2024 here. I see. Apart from that, there's a couple. I think when once we get to like the films, maybe there's one or two films in your list. I feel like that I didn't get a chance to see, and we'll talk about that particular film maybe. But yeah, just not everything is available, unfortunately. So yeah, that's like the main reason why I missed some of the films that I did. What about you? Yeah, yeah, it was tough, and I think. I think there's a fair amount of films that have just not been released yet for me um, that I really wanted to see. Like the main one being Jonathan Glazer's movie, The Zone of Interest, um, which I'm super, super, super excited for. And I don't think it has a full wide release until maybe like February, I think, uh, in the U.S. at least. Uh, It kind of just did that L.A., New York thing. Um, which hopefully I won't have to worry about that in the future and can be, be around. But um, that is one that I'm really excited for. Another one being the Sweet East uh, with Simon Rex and Jacob Elordi. And it's, uh, it's a film by um, Sean. I'm going to actually Google it. It's either Sean William Price or Sean Price Williams. Uh, he was the Safdie brothers. Yeah, Sean Price Williams. Price he was the Safdie brothers, Safdie brothers DP uh, on Good Time. Uh, their earlier stuff as well. Um, pretty much everything for the most part, pre uncut gems. And, um, and he's done like a lot of really cool independent stuff. And, and, and sweet East looks like a really cool sort of just my type of movie, really unique, interesting, um, kind of just about people getting into weird fucked up situations and uh, it seems really, really cool. And I was supposed to go see it at the New York Film Fest earlier this year. Um, and then something came up. I wasn't able to go any longer. But I was really, really excited for that. And I'm, I'm sad I missed that. I don't know if that's even getting any kind of wide release. I think it's just video on demand coming up here in like a few weeks. Um, but I have a feeling that would be in my top 10. Um, and then also Ferrari, which just came out here. Um, yeah. And I was actually, I was going to go see it last night. And I was just guilted myself into just like staying at home and, and working on some stuff. Cause I felt all lazy all week kind of coming back from the holiday. So I didn't end up going, um, you know, maybe it would crack the top 10. I don't know. I love Michael Mann. It looks awesome. I've heard great things. Um, uh, but just fair warning that those are some that I didn't see. Oh, and past lives. I never got around past lives. It's available. I could rent it. I just never got around to it. I don't know why. We should probably like do a updated version, maybe next year at the end of next year. Just like I think the so, ones yeah. So then you have an updated 2023 list because yeah, completely forgot Ferrari came out. I still haven't seen it, even though it came out a couple of weeks ago. But that's yeah. another one I mentioned. Yeah, I 
I, I feel like there's just so many good films. I also didn't get around to see Napoleon, which I know some people would say it's not a great film, but there, there are just so many that came out where I'm like, God, I just don't have enough time to get to all of these. And, um, you know, but there were a ton of awesome, awesome movies. Did you check out anything that wasn't like a movie, like any limited series or any cool music videos or any, uh, TV shows, maybe single seasons that came out from shows? Well, what came out this year, because I don't watch a lot of TV shows, unfortunately, I want to yeah. get into it, but films are just like the main thing. But The Last of Us, I think, came out. This in yeah, I think so. That was great. And The Bear Season 2. I loved that as well. I loved The Bear, which is a great show. I highly recommend it to you because I think you could fuck with it, man. I think it's it's a great show. And I like the first season more because it okay. involved more cooking. The second season, okay. there's like a reason why they don't cook as much, but they had an incredible Christmas episode that you would love. So okay. I think even, even if you never check out the show, I just would love to just show you the Christmas episode because it's just incredible. It's so chaotic. And I'm excited for the third season, which should come out I think this year. And they said it's going to be a lot more cooking. So that's what cool. I'm excited for. I've actually, I've seen the first episode of The Bear and I very much enjoyed it. And then I don't know why I just didn't keep up with it for, for, for whatever reason. Um, but that's 100%. It's like my kind of style of like the way that it's shot, the way that the story, like what the story is, the acting, everything. Like it seems very much up my alley. Um, yeah. And maybe you get a and, chance in 2024. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I'm not a big TV series guy either. It's got to be very specific to like something that i like 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 the last season of succession was this year i thought succession was one of the great shows like of all time mm -hmm. um and again i know i've talked about it on this pod before but i can't recommend that show enough um but then another one that i do want to mention that genuinely is like one of the greatest things that's been made this year is the nathan fielder uh benny safty emma stone show the curse which I think there's only one more episode left. I think it's coming up next. Uh, or is, is it this Sunday? I forget what day of the, the week it comes out. I think it comes out on Fridays. So I think this coming Friday. Um, but uh, which I guess by the time this has come out, maybe it's it's been wrapped. But at the time of this recording, there's only one episode left. And it is the most tense, like uncomfortable, like cringeworthy sort of thing i've ever seen on television or film like it's it's just so good it's so funny it's so original it's uh anxiety inducing it's everything that i love and obviously has three of like my favorite people in the entire industry all teamed up on one thing and uh it's really it's 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 incredible um and that's an a24 thing with uh, showtime and uh and obviously alara the josh safty benny safty uh company so, uh, yeah, but I think there was a lot of cool TV that kind of came out this year, even though I, I really only mentioned one thing that was new this year and one that ended this year. But still, like we talked about, I think we talked about it like a previous episode and I told you that it's not available over here because I would love to watch it. Actually, yeah. a couple of days ago, I found a way how to watch it because there's like yeah. a Paramount Plus add-on for Apple TV Plus. And they have yes. like the first couple episodes. So I'm going to wait until it ends because I have like a seven day free trial. trial and then burn through I'm it. Gonna it. I'm going to get it and I'm going to watch all of it. So I'm excited to check that out soon. So 
we'll, oh, we'll be good. able to talk I, about it soon. Good. We'll have to get an update on that because you will. It is. It is truly cringeworthy. Like it's very uncomfortable to sit through. I love um, that. That's my shit. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, uh, well, what do you say we go ahead and we get into our top ten uh, movies of the year? Um, we were talking off pod, but for those listening, we're going to go through our top ten. Uh, of the year we'll, we'll go in descending order from you know 10 9 8 7 6 5 down to 1 um and at any point dino if i say a film that is higher up on your list or if you say a film that is higher up on my list then uh we'll go ahead and just chime in and say hey i got that on my list and we'll uh we'll just go ahead and and move along um but yeah you want to you want to kick things off with uh, with whatever your number 10 is well do you have any honorable mentions before we start cuz i have oh yeah good Maybe yeah. you can start with yours. Yeah, I think there is, man. And now that I'm looking at it, like I'm looking at my list again, I'm like, should I move this up higher? Um, I I think that I'm actually I'm making a game time decision, and I'm actually moving a couple things around. I can't believe this on yeah. the spot. Um, <laughs> one movie that is an honorable mention for me that was sitting in my top ten and my top five actually for a long time was uh brandon cronenberg's film infinity pool um actually which... have that in my top 10 okay then we'll go ahead we'll, we'll talk about that more i'm glad that we can talk about it but i love that movie so um there's a great movie that came out this year called how to blow up a pipeline um that i really really love did you get a chance to see that one i didn't i i wanted to watch it last night actually but i ended up watching something else but okay. i'm gonna watch that soon for sure because i saw your review and it made me excited to check it out so i 100 will it's it's super cool i really love the way that it was shot the way that it was uh directed it's like very very again very tense very suspenseful but also very funny um that was really cool um i have a feeling we'll talk about this next one so i'll just wait until later on and if it doesn't mm -hmm. come up then i'll mention it but uh I also want to shout out um, Bo is Afraid, which is not a movie that I know if I, I don't think I love it very much, but I really admire it. And the first, it, the way that's kind of built, you saw it, right? Yeah, I did. Because we, we talked about it. The way it's kind of split into sort of three hour long blocks, like it feels like three different stories. The first hour is maybe the best thing all year. It The first hour is unbelievably good. And I think that the second the second hour kind of throws me off. Like it kind of takes me out of it. So that way when it kind of builds back in the third, I'm not as fully on as I would have been if it would have been coming from the first hour maybe. But um but I really liked that movie and and want to shout that movie out. Um I also want to shout out Sanctuary. I thought that was a cool movie. Um and then I know I'm saying a lot of movies right now, but one more that I will shout out that I saw yesterday and I was kind of working, kind of had it on the background, but still was more sucked into it that I do want to mention is called Society of the Snow, um, which just dropped on Netflix. Do you know about this movie? I know about it because Rope, who was on our podcast, actually mentioned that it's his favorite film of 2023. So he I saw that he rated it five stars. Yeah, he, he told me a little bit about it and it sounds amazing. I can't wait to check it out. It's very, very cool. Um, 
it's a little long, but it's 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 really cool, and it's it's on Netflix I, at least in the states. I'm assuming internationally though as well. Maybe I don't know with the whole May December thing. You know that was kind of yeah. same issue, but yeah, that was a uh, a really cool movie that I saw yesterday that I was completely unaware of prior to like 24 or 48 hours ago. I had no idea even what it was, um, and was pleasantly surprised by that. But those are a handful of some of my honorable mentions. I definitely have way more, but I feel like. Some of them will be brought up later, but um, I think those are kind of the ones that are, you know, I really wanted to to shout out. Oh yeah, those are some great picks, and I 100% agree with Bo is afraid. Like the first hour is just incredible, then it takes a little bit of a fall, but the ending is really cool as well, and it's just so messed up. But that first hour when he's still in the city, like that's just that's just it's incredible. It it just it's incredible. Feel, you feel it. You feel just the anxiety and. It's so great. Yeah, it's amazing. What about you? What 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 honorable mentions do you have? So the first one I have is I hope it's not on your list, but Theater Camp, which I know. Oh, it is in my list. We'll get to that one later. Okay, we'll, we'll it's get in my to list. It. I got great incredible. things to say about that movie. So good. Then another film that I didn't expect to like as much, and it almost made my list, but I took it out like a couple hours ago. But that's the new Hunger Games film, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And I've right. only seen, like, prior, I had only seen, like, the first and second Hunger Games films. And I wasn't, like, a huge fan. I liked them, but, like, they weren't that big for me. I never watched, like, the other two, the last two. But then sure. this one came out, and my girlfriend really likes those films. So she, like, watched all of them with me. And I didn't like the last two ones. They just, like, they weren't really that good. But I did end up going to see this one. I wasn't excited. My expectations were really low. And I was like blown away. It was so great. It was such a great film and such a great villain origin story. And I hadn't seen it done like that before. And it was very unhinged in the end. And I just really liked it. So it, it surprised me. So that's why I want to mention it. You've never seen the Hunger Games film, right? I've never seen any of them, no. Okay. I don't think they're really that worthy of checking out, but I really like this one, so I wanted to mention it. I feel like I have yeah. to just for the like the pop culture aspect of it. Maybe, but I think yeah. you'll be the one at least. Maybe you like the first and the second one, and maybe the newer one. But like those last two, they were supposed to be one, but they were split into part one and part two. Right, right. And they could be like a ha half an hour long film. Like they have no right oh. to be that okay. long, but. Some interesting concepts, but I just wasn't that big of a fan. And then there is another film that I want to mention that is called Cassandro. Have you heard of this film? Uh-uh. I'm going to look it up right okay. now. So it stars Gael Garcia Bernal, who you probably know. And yes. it's about Cassandro, who was this amateur gay wrestler. Uh, he was in El Paso. That's where he wrestled. And it's a very, very personal and great story about, about this, this, this man who tried to take wrestling, which, was like a re which is like a very masculine thing, especially in Mexico. But he included it with his, like, his own sexuality and he was shamed for it. And you have like in Mexico, you have men who, who do that with like these crazy clothes and things like that. And they're destined to always lose. They call them, I'm not sure what they call them, I think like flamingos or something. They don't take them seriously. So they're just there for like the big manly wrestlers 
basically to beat the shit out of them. But he managed to capture a lot of hearts, and it's such a great story, very wholesome. And that's just one I I wanted to mention. You you would love it, I think. So definitely. Yeah, I've never even heard of this. It's great. It's on Amazon. It's an Amazon Prime original, I think. Cool. And yeah, I wanted to give that one a shout out because it's just so great. But yeah. Hell yeah. Cool, man. I think uh, I think we're we're in a good a good point to uh to go ahead and get into our top ten. Uh, I'm itching to talk about some of these these movies that because I I'm, I still like I said I have a few honorable mentions, but I'm like I feel like they'll pop up, and obviously you mentioned some that that are on mine. So uh, why don't we get started? What's 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 your number ten film of 2023? Okay, so my number ten was a last minute decision. I literally made it like just an hour ago, but Creed three, I just loved so much. I kind of forgot about it a little bit, but then looking at like my year. I remembered it again and we talked about it on a previous episode it was just such a great film i love the rocky films i love creed they're just so great such great films and this is michael b jordan's first film and i think he did one hell of a job i can't wait to see what he directs else like he's so incredible and so talented and this had such an insane last fight scene which michael b jordan said like he took inspiration from like anime films and those over the top crazy fight scenes, which is is it fits so much and it's so great. So Creed Three is definitely like I had to put it on my list. I had a blast watching it. It's so creative, and Michael B. Jordan, man, I hope I hope he makes more. I I need Creed Four. I need anything else from Michael B. Jordan. Let this man cook. He's incredible. Are they doing That's- more Creed films? They are. They're doing a TV show, I think, like a limited, oh, because he has a daughter in, in those films, and she's starting to box, but she has ability. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it to you in case you watch the Creed films. Okay. And they're going to like delve into that in the show, how she manages to start boxing with that disability. And I, I could see, see okay. them taking this into the films, in the later films, once Michael B. Jordan is a lot <clears> older, his daughter is older, maybe he trains her more and maybe she takes on the mantle, how he took it, like he was trained by Rocky Balboa, he trains uh-huh. her and then turn it into like a really great story from there and I'm excited. Cool, man. I, yeah, and I haven't seen any of the Creed films. Um, yeah. But that's that's crazy. I thought Michael B. Jordan had directed prior, um, but that's awesome to hear. I'm I'm excited to hear but actually, I think I'm thinking of Ryan Coogler, that Fruitvale that's Station Ryan film. Coogler. Yep, that's it, Ryan Coogler. That's Michael starring Michael B. Film. Jordan. Yeah, and his next okay. film is actually Creed Four, which I'm just seeing on Letterboxd. So. Michael B. Jordan is? Yep. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I would, I'd be curious to see what he, to see him branch out and see what he could make non-Creed related. I hope after this one, he makes something like completely original. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm curious to to see. Um, okay, cool. Three, three. Number My number ten is uh, the movie Dream Scenario, directed by Christopher Bor- Borgley. I think is what it is. It's that uh, the A twenty four film with uh, Nick Cage. Um, I don't. Was this released for you guys in in Europe yet? I'm not sure because I didn't see it in my theater lineup so i haven't seen it yet in might have and i might have missed it but that's another one i want to check out but didn't get a chance to so i'm excited yeah to hear what it, you- 
have to say about it. Yeah, it was uh, it was really cool. It's I love like just the idea of it. It's so um, so unique and original. Again, I know I'm I'm using these words to death here today, but um, it was it was a really really cool, interesting movie that is like so one of one. Like I can't think of another movie that is like it. I mean, I guess it has shades of like charlie kaufman type of stuff you know what i mean like adaptation or being john Malkovich or, or shit like that but i i i really really enjoyed this movie it was shot on 16 millimeters so obviously all these films that were shot on film get an extra just like at least a half a star out of me um and it was really cool there was a cool cameo from nicholas braun from succession who has a hilarious hilarious bit um and also a couple of like tiktokers who I was told afterwards were actually very famous TikTok influencer type people. Um, and after knowing that, I'm like, oh, that's even more funny. Uh, like the scene that they're in. It's 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 super cool, super funny, super unique, greatly written. Nick Cage is is a fantastic actor. Um, and uh Michael Sarah has a great supporting role in it as well. It's um it's really cool. And I think it got maybe when I think of like the biggest like aha like laugh out loud moments um i would say this movie is up there for like the top three or top five this one moment in particular made me laugh out loud in the theater um and i I always love when a film can do that yeah highly recommend that's dream scenario with nick cage hell yeah i'm excited to watch that one because it looks very promising and i didn't know it was that funny like i because you know i don't watch trailers that much so yeah yeah i have no what it's about so i didn't even know it was like funny or a comedy or whatever but there's a lot a lot of funny moments in it i wouldn't say the whole 100 percent of the time it is just like a joke per minute type of comedy thing or anything like that but when there is comedy it's very 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 fucking hilarious do these tiktokers have like actual roads or is it like a joke type cameo thing I, I mean, they're they're cameos in like one section of the film. Like they're not like characters like throughout the whole movie. Um, oh, like they play influencers, but I I thought that they mm. were just like fuckboy actors or something. But turns out they're actually like the biggest TikTok influencers alive, I guess. Um, which made it very funny. But mm. uh, but yeah, very 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 cool and funny movie. Uh, what's your number nine? How are you? My number nine is actually Infinity Pool, so we get right cool. into it. Yes, this was incredible, and I haven't told like this story on the podcast yet. I, I think I told you, but I started watching it. And I was like, "That looks really familiar," like that hotel where they're at. And then I saw that I've been to that hotel, like that resort. There are a couple hotels on that resort, like a bunch yeah. of different ones, and they're all together. And I was like, "Holy shit!" And that made me appreciate the film more and it sucked me in because I don't know what it's like for you because you live in the US, you've been to like cities where they have filmed shit. But yeah. for me, I haven't really been, I've been to like Venice or Paris, sure. But those are places that I've seen prior, like from photographs, you've seen like. Sure. Cities. Yeah. yeah, yeah. are like big known cities, but this was known. I didn't have anything prior. Like I haven't seen pictures of that resort i haven't seen videos everything i know from those resorts are like from my own memories and not pictures or videos 
And so it was so surreal watching this film because the film is really messed up. And, yeah. you know, just being, like having been at those places, it just sucked me in and made it so much more surreal. And it made the journey incredible. And that's why I had it included. I think that just made me love this film even more because I had like kind of a personal view or like relation to this to film. It, yeah. Dude, it was, it was a trip. It was a trip. I, I'm, I'm so glad that it's on your list because I really, I really wanted to talk about this movie so badly. And like I said, it wasn't even until just a game time decision, maybe 10, 15 minutes ago, where I was like, mm -hmm. okay, fuck it. I got to rearrange this list really quick. And I made a couple changes. Um, but this was not only in my top 10 all year, this was my number one film of the year for a long time, for a oh, long yeah. time until sort of the back quarter of the year and some of these other films started coming out. And it still was kind of hanging in like the top five, top seven-ish. Um, but ultimately, as I was sort of sitting here, I was like, I don't really remember that much about it. Like it was an early release. I feel like it came out like in the beginning of the year, like maybe like a February, March sort of thing, if I'm not wrong um i'm probably wrong but i feel like it was early in the year and um i i love brandon cronenberg i think that he's like he's he's doing the right thing when you are in the shadow of someone like david cronenberg um um hold on I'm, i can't think and do two things at one time clearly okay infinity pool came out in uh Oh yeah, January. Okay, very beginning of the year. So I was right. Um, and and the thing about it is like he, it's so easy to just completely copy like what your dad did or what your famous uncle or your famous grandfather did because it's what's expected. And it's clear that he's very much into the same things, but he's taking really unique and interesting takes on them. Like I thought his film Possessor was like is like one of my favorite films of the 2020s. I think that movie is incredibly good. Um, and Infinity Pool, I felt like was an awesome next step, and I love White Lotus. It felt like a really fucked up episode of White Lotus. Um, but but yeah, I I really really loved this movie, and I love that there's just original sort of mind fucky sort of movies that are being made. And I I think I'm gonna go ahead and say this. I think Neon had a better year than A24 this year. When I really step back and look, I'm like, Neon is kind of stepping, not that they were ever down, but they're they're in the shadow of A24. But it's like, Neon, I'm kind of fucking with them more right now. I can't lie to you. They are putting out some incredible, incredible shit that I think is even more niche than what A24 is doing. Not that that makes it better, but I just, this year in particular, I really preferred the films that they were putting out. They're chefing up some great stuff, and I can't wait to see more of their future releases. Yeah, they're going fucking crazy. But anyway, that, that's my thought. Sorry for hijacking that, but I really did love that movie and wanted to talk about it. Yeah, I only saw it recently, so it's a lot more like fresh in my mind. And also, that personal connection just made it stick yeah. out that much more. And I remember so much more because I've seen those places. I've been to that exact beach where he lies in the end. Like, I've seen that. And I, I, yeah. I was like, at that exact same spot that was like our go-to every single morning when no he lies in the rain at the end it's just damn so good so good that's all awesome. i gotta rerun it back it's on it's on hulu here in the states i gotta i gotta run that bitch back again dude man you gotta go to that hotel for like the maximum experience where is it croatia it's in croatia yeah cool yeah 
Hell yeah. But what's um, your well, my, number? Yeah, my number nine, uh, just saw last week, just dropped here in the States, maybe a while for you, and that is, well, another A24. I'm looking, there's a lot of A24 on my fucking top 10, clearly, but uh, that's the Iron Claw. Uh, Zach Efron, Harris Dickinson, Jeremy Allen White. Um, have you seen this one yet? It's not out for me yet, but I'm so looking forward to it. Okay, I really, really enjoyed this movie a lot. And it was one of those where this was not in my top 10 originally. This is what I swapped with Infinity Pool because I found that at first I wasn't underwhelmed, but there was a part of me that I was like, I wish it was just that one extra little just oomph to it. But then as the days have gone by, it's been almost a week. I have thought about that movie every single day. Every single day I have thought about it. Um, and I'm like, that's got to count for something. And I bumped it up in the list. Cause I'm like, I really want to rewatch it again already. Like there's just something, it's a very dark and fucked up movie. And they're, they really are telling a big story in a short amount of time. Like I hardly say this, but this might be something that might've even benefited from being a limited series possibly. Um, like even if it's just a five episode thing, like I think it just benefited from being like a five hour long thing as opposed to just two hours. Um, but I really, really enjoyed it. The performances are some of the best of the year, um, shot on 35 millimeter. It looks incredible. Um, all of the actors are so good, especially of the four boys. Um, and, uh, I think you will, you're going to really, really enjoy this film once you get a chance to see it. I, I think you'll really, really like it. I'm excited. And those are the best films that really stick with you because initially they don't have like that thing that you're like oh this is the best thing ever but then you slowly think about it more and more and more and you just yeah learn to appreciate them more and if only after a week you want to rewatch it again that's just a great sign yeah it's um i honestly i feel like it may even deserve to be just a tiny bit higher but i really really enjoyed this movie a lot um yeah. and I'm, I'm super excited to see kind of the trajectory of those actors like i i am curious to see what zach efron gets after this performance and I'm loving that a lot of these actors are starting to get more serious, quote unquote, roles um, who maybe wouldn't like an Adam Sandler or like a Zac Efron or, or what have you. So very excited for for what's to come of all the people involved in this movie. But Even with that's my number Robert nine. As you might have heard. And like new he... Benny Safdie. That's going to be the next one. Yep. That'll be the next Benny's... one. Yep. I cannot. cannot we'll, we'll, maybe, we'll talk about that at the end when we get maybe yep. into our most anticipated I have a feeling that'll come up, um, but you're you're completely right. Good poll. Yeah. So my next one is John Wick, and like the new one, Chapter Four, and I had to include this one because it's just batshit crazy. It's one of the best action films, one of the most stylish action action films, and it has one of the greatest action scene involving a shotgun that also spits fire. That's all I'm going to say. And it's an overhead from up top. Yeah. I talked about this one. Dude, this film is incredible. And if you're a fan of John Wick, and even if not, if you're just like a fan of action films, dude, check this out. It's just, they, they took everything and they put everything in this that you could put in an action film. Like, I don't even know how they made it. Just thinking about it makes me like all giggly and excited because yeah. How do you even pull this off? How do you even plan this? How much training goes into this? There's one staircase scene, a fight scene that goes on and 
he tumbles back down, he goes up, and he tumbles back down, he goes up, and that just goes for like so long, and it's it's incredible. I think my that's amazing. Everything, dude. If anything has sold me on seeing it, it's just you talking about it, one hundred percent. And I love the first John Wick. I don't know why I've never gotten around to any of the sequels yet, but uh, yeah, I got to get on that shit. Yeah, because they always like the first one I loved, and then it slowly. I like them less with each one a little bit, but then this one came and it just set the bar for what action films can be. And is this the best of the sequels? 100%. It's the best John Wick for me in general. Like it's. Oh, fuck. Okay. It's better than the first one, I think. And it just sets such a high standard for what action films can look like. That's fucking sick. I got to, I'm, I'm adding that to the top of the watch list just hearing that then. Cause I love the first one. Yeah, please do. Yeah, what's your oh, yeah. cool? Yeah, my number eight, Jesus Christ, another A24 movie. I don't know what I'm saying. I guess I'm full of shit. A24 clearly <laughs> came out on top this year. Um, but this movie was a little bit more under uh, under the covers. I feel like it wasn't really talked about that much. And that was a film called You Hurt My Feelings um, by Nicole Holofsen- Center, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, it's starring Julia Louis-Dreyfus, uh, obviously of Seinfeld fame. Um, and it has, uh, his name is like Tobias Menzies, I think he was in Casino Royale and, um, he's a British guy who's in some more British shit, but it's this really cool New York, like comedy that's in this, in the vein of like a Elaine May sort of thing, or like, it's just about human miscommunication and like it's very much in that Seinfeldy way, which I love, and that's very much what I I love. But essentially, Julia Louis Dreyfus plays um uh she's an author, like uh, for novels, and her husband Tobias Menzies is like a he's a therapist. And one day she overhears him talking with a buddy of his about how he doesn't think that her new book is any good, and she overhears this, and she has like this crisis of like because she's been told by him. The whole time, like, oh, it's so good. The publishers don't know what they're talking about. They have no idea. But then behind her back, he's like, I, it's not good. It's the worst thing she's ever written. Da, da, da. So she kind of is like obsessed with this idea that her own husband, uh, her own husband is lying to her and hates her work. And it's it's a really cool dynamic. And like, it's funny pairing that up with with John Wick here because it's the polar opposite where it is all just very much on the street in New York apartments. Like it's. I love movies like that that are um, funny and are really just dealing with like human social norms and weird things in that way. And like I said, it's not Steinfeldian in like a in terms of style, but in terms of I could see this being like a Seinfeld plot because it is so nothing yet it's something that we as humans have built up into something so huge. And and it's really funny and has a cool cast like Owen Teague plays like their son and he's in a ton of stuff and. Um, Ariane Moyed, I think is his name. He was in Succession. He's plays a polar opposite character in this. That's super funny. But yeah, that's You Hurt My Feelings. Great New York A24 film. Have you have you heard of this one at all? I haven't. And as you mentioned it, I looked it up and I, I saw the poster in like a 2023 because I looked at all the 2023 films. Yeah. I made my list and I saw it on there and I know it caught my eye. So I will definitely check it out. And I love films that are like basic in plot and it's just about like people walking on the street and talking to each other and like these smaller story stuff like slice of life kind of thing and the plot yeah. sounds interesting so I want to yeah check it's a out. very 
it's the stakes are low, but at the same time, I understand how they're high because we're all human. And like, we can take offense to things that are so minor or there are weird social cues, like having to lie to your wife because you're being supportive, but like, would it be more supportive to maybe just tell her the truth that it's not that good and she can do better? Yeah. It's, it's all of these things. It's, it's really interesting stuff. And it's, it's, it's all the stuff that I like, but um, I wish more people were talking about this movie. It's called you hurt my feelings. Uh, very, very, very good film. Yeah. Anyway, and I love that it's a complete opposite from John Wick. I think that's yeah, it that makes our like list so much cooler. Yeah, what's your number seven? My number seven is a film. It may be on yours, but The Holdovers. It is. We'll get to that later. It's okay, a little bit we'll higher. We'll get to that one. So then, it's just a right little bit there. higher. Okay, okay. So my number seven. Um, I don't. I I know that I brought it up to you. I think, but I don't know that you seen it um was a film that really came out of nowhere for me that i really loved and that's blackberry the film about the creation of blackberry um starring uh jay baruchel and uh glenn howerton from uh, it's always sunny this movie was really like i did not expect this to be as fucking good as it is um and it's very canadian it's a canadian film blackberry is a canadian company and it's the most canadian movie i've maybe have ever seen um like with their accents and like the one guy's obsessed with hockey and it's like there's a whole plot line involving him trying to buy an nhl team and move them to canada that's i guess is a real story um that that's really i don't know i i'm it's shot like a safety brothers like documentary like it's very much like that kind of style that i i really love stylistically and on top of that, the story is really good. The characters are great. The wigs are bad, but the characters are amazing and the acting is incredible. Um, and it has a great cast and it's, uh, it, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, man, I, I was really, really taken aback by this movie. I, I had no idea that it was going to be um, as good as it was. And, and I'm looking now actually one of the supporting actors who plays one of the guys that works for Jay Baruchel. Uh, he's the guy who's like more of like the tech guy. Glenn Howerton's more of like the business guy. But the director is this guy, Matt Johnson, who I'm not familiar with, but I guess he he was actually one of the supporting actors. Um, and it looks like he's he's directed a fair amount of things. Interesting. Had no idea. But um, I highly recommend this movie. If you can if you can find it, um, I I highly recommend it. You haven't seen it, right? I haven't. I saw it on another list and it looked promising and it's one of the films I wanted to watch for a future for a future film that we're going to discuss for like top yeah. four. That's yeah, I already know the one. Yeah. For that. And this year also, like that reminds me, this year we had Tetris, which I also saw recently, which was great as well, which I might mention on that episode. But it's sort of like the same thing with like creation of something that is a lot more than one might have thought, I think. And I was just going to say that. I'm glad you brought that up. Like, we are living in an era now. 2023, there was a fair amount, but I would say in the 2020s in general, where there is an oversaturation of movies like that, where it's all mm. about, okay, let's talk about the founder of, uh, of Tetris. Let's talk about the founder of McDonald's. Uh, the founder of Beanie Babies got a fucking movie um how they created what like they have all of these new things and now blackberry so i'm like oh god all right and then i'm like oh shit this is like the best of the bunch i'm like this is the best of all of these um and and i and i 
I don't know. It, it, it did a really good job of telling the story straight, at least from what I fact-checked afterwards. It seemed pretty spot on for the most part, but also making it super entertaining. And it's like, it had a lot of heart. Like it was very Shakespearean and it's very succession-y, very much in that vein as well. And uh, it's it's inevitably going to be very Shakespearean when you, when you get into that territory. Whereas others are like, let's just make a biopic about the guy who invented Beanie Babies because it'll sell. And there's not that much you know, backing. I didn't see the Tetris one. Tetris might, I don't know what side of the, the court that lands on, but, um, but you know what I mean? How did the Beanie Baby guy get it as his own film? Like, that's what I'm wondering. I have no idea. And I think Zach, Zach Galifianakis is, is, is the lead in that. I got to check that out just to see what they, yeah. what they made. <laughs> yeah. 100%. But highly recommend this movie, Blackberry. Very, very good shot. Very well directed very well performed very well yeah that's my number seven what's your number six awesome my next one is wonka surprisingly enough i had a blast watching it so just a little context we went the day after christmas and it was kind of a spontaneous one we wanted to watch it but didn't know if we had the time so we just went without buying a ticket beforehand we was like maybe there's gonna be a seat available hopefully we went there and the only three seats available were in the first row, like in the corner. Yeah. And I was like, should we go? Should we just wait? And But we were like, okay, it's the day after Christmas. We want to watch something. Let's just go with it. And the cool thing is those seats had like, you could recline them and you had a thing yeah. where you could put your feet, uh, feet up, which don't, other cinemas here don't have that, but this one had it. And it was my first time watching a movie like that and i really liked it because it felt like i was inside the film and yeah it was close and like my neck hurt even before the film started <laughs> like the trailers, i was like i can't do this like i was just looking up like this and it was yeah the, worst. the film started and i forgot about all of that i was sucked right into it it's such a joyful playful jolly film it's so whimsical and it's just just filled with so much fun and so much love. The guy who made Paddington made this, so that explains a lot. Okay. But Timothy Chalamet is so great in it. The songs are amazing. He has a great voice. And yeah, this was just so colorful. So it brought up, brought up, brought up like an inner child, like watching an old film. There was just like so much about candy and fun and things like that. And Dude, I recommend this one. I I know it's not for everyone. A lot of people will roll their eyes and be like, oh, this is so cheesy. But dude, I loved it. And that's why it just had, it had to be on my list just because of how it made me feel. Yeah, that's amazing. I don't, I haven't. And I honestly don't foresee myself going to see it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But I do love that it's getting... Well, it is pretty polarizing. I feel like people are on either side, but I do love that there are a lot of people that really love it Um, because I was afraid that, you know, how are you going to remake this movie again? You know what I mean? And, and um, I guess enough time has passed, but still it's like the original is obviously very well respected. Even the Tim Burton one is very well respected um, among the people that really love it. And uh, so yeah, I'm I'm glad to see that people are are really kind of identifying it, and and there's an audience for it, though. I think what what like 
made people like it. It's not a remake. It's a prequel, so it's set before those. And it oh, be it's not okay. a direct remake. It's how he got to have a chocolate factory and how he discovered Oompa Loompas and things like that. So okay, okay. I think that's where the magic lies. That makes more sense. That's awesome. That sounds yeah. really cool. But yeah, okay. that's my what's your next uh let's see we're at number six could be possibly on your list not sure uh and that's david fincher's new film the killer not on my list barely did make it but i'm glad it made yeah this was um a nice surprise and and we talked about it on the pod i'm I'm almost positive we did yep um where in the opening credits i was very prepared to be like this is going to be a complete piece of shit this, because it, I will say it has the worst opening credit sequence of any film of the entire year. It is fucking awful. It's terrible. Um, and it's a funny gag, I guess. I don't really understand why he would make something that, that bad. David Fincher clearly has taste. I don't know how he thought that was acceptable. And if he's trying to make some kind of joke, I don't get it. But the killer itself, like the film itself, everything after that, I was just so sucked in. I really loved it a lot. Um, I loved that it was almost kind of anticlimactic by the end. Um, it just felt very real. It felt like the realest kind of hitman movie that there is, um, where, like I said, it doesn't always wrap up neatly and super cinematically. And it's just, sometimes it just ends, you know what I mean? And, um, I really, really, really liked it. I thought Michael Fassbender was fantastic. Um, I thought the writing was pretty good and I, I, I really had a good time uh, with this movie. And anytime that I was like shifting around the list, this seemed to be the one that just never really moved from where I was at. I'm like, that seems right. It seems like a nice, you know, number five, number six, number seven kind of spot. Like it's a great solid film. And uh, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this. Looking forward to whatever Fincher does next. Oh yeah. And it, I'm, I'm kind of sad it didn't make my list because it was such a great film. And I think, the more time passes on, I think this will just get so much better because it's not, like you mentioned, the typical, you know, he gets the job 100% right and then it's just like, yeah. Yeah. He, he, he messes up and it's just yeah. the reality of it. And that's why I think it's so great because we haven't seen a, like, assassin killer type film like that, Hitman. Like, usually they execute the job perfectly and then that's the end. But this one doesn't. And I think that's where... That's what makes it so interesting and cool. Yeah, it's it's just very real. And, and I can really, really appreciate that. And it's just a total Fincher film. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. Anyway, that's my number six, The Killer. What's your number five? Uh, number five, yes. So the next one, and b- before I get into that, I think we need to clarify. Because for you, do you consider a film... Like the year it came out, is it for you like when it premiered on a festival or once it gets mm. a theatrical release? This is like the never ending question for me and the fight I always have when I'm like, is this considered a 2023 release? Is it considered 2022? I think. Okay, so for this, there were films that came out like. Like, for instance, I really wanted to include Ennis Men, which I never ended up seeing, but I really wanted to watch it for this. Mm-hmm. And it came out like January like 5th or something. And I'm like, it's marketed as a 2022 film, though. And I feel like if we would have recorded this one year ago, I would have considered this in the 2022 roundup. 
tell me that's not the film that you were you were going to bring up, was yeah, it? No. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I didn't even answer your question, but that's just the the where I'm at. I'm I'm very lost in that situation. Okay, um, because the next one is kind of cheating a little bit because it's it's set as a 2022 film because it came out like at the film festival, but the theatrical when, release was in 2023. Like, what? Yeah. What month of 2023 was it released? March or April? Let me check. Okay, then I would say that's 2023. I, I would that's say that's what I'm saying. That's why I wanted to include, and I, I just wanted to include this, but let me check. Because I think there are some that do the festival run and then they just get pushed like January. Then I'm like, okay, that's 2022 or like whatever the previous year was. You know what I mean? But when there's that much of a difference, like I, I, I would say that that's the next year. Theatrical release was in May. 2023 so that's why i'm I, i'm gonna call that 2023 what 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 movie is it this letterbox says it's 2022 but it's paul schrader's recent film most recent film master gardener mm, yeah i would consider that 2023 for sure still haven't gotten around to it perfect you gotta watch it it's dude this film blew me away paul schrader i i've seen a bunch of his films but watching this film like i need to watch every single one this was incredible and stars Joel Edgerton in mm -hmm. a very interesting role. So he's pretty much a gardener for this rich woman who has this beautiful estate with a beautiful garden and a sh like an annual event show is coming up where rich people come and they walk in the garden and eat, drink, whatever. But he has to make sure the garden looks great year round. And she has a sister who recently died and she has a daughter um, who has a little drug problem and she wants to get her to the garden and have him teach her things for one to get her out of like the hood and her drug problem and also that maybe she can like be the heir maybe she can get like the garden once uh, she passes away and the the girl comes and she is of color and we find out very early in the film he takes off his shirt and he has all these Nazi symbols, like all these Nazi tattoos all over his body. And that's where I'm going to leave it. But this film, Interesting. Just, dude, it shocked me so much. And I hope this is not a spoiler. It happens like very early in the beginning and it adds so much to it. And it's very much a, a film about redemption and also with Paul Schrader, usually his films and his main characters are like very, it's a very hopeless world. He loves to torture his main characters. They're very much tortured souls. But this one, and I think that's like straight from Paul Schrader, I think he has in recent years changed a lot more. And this one is a lot more hopeful. And that's what I loved about it because in the end, it's not as depressing as his other films, which I love. But you know, he does something different here and offers a spark of hope and maybe not everything is as hopeless as it seems. And there's maybe a chance for people to get a happy end, which which I love. So this film, definitely check it out. It's one of Paul Schrader's best, in my opinion. Interesting. Interesting. I really, because we'll talk about it later. We're going to briefly mention some most anticipated for next year. And mm -hmm. I, I cannot wait for his next film that's supposed to come out next year he claims it'll be his last um 
I, I cannot wait for it. And and Master Gardener, I it seemed like uh, maybe on paper wasn't my thing, but uh, based on your description, that's like off. That's like it's offering up a whole new perspective of it mm-hmm. that I did not know the film was maybe going to go to. Um, I'm going to check that out. I'm almost positive it's on Hulu over here. I think so. Mm-hmm. I have no excuses. I I honestly don't know why I didn't put it on like yesterday, but yeah. Anyway, I get why it maybe didn't catch your eye as much, but trust me, this is, and it's like the end of his most recent trilogy sort of thing with First Reformed and the card counter, which a lot of people okay. said is sort of like a trilogy in the sense yeah. of the main character, but this one is a lot more hopeful. And yeah, I loved it. Oh, awesome. Well, um, my number five is, uh, well, it's a, a film that, uh, that you had on your list as well. And that's the holdovers, Um, which I'll just talk very briefly about first. And then you can, you can spend some time talking about it as well. But I really, really loved this movie a lot. And I didn't quite expect to love it as much as I did. I thought I'm really not as familiar. I'm so I'm very familiar with who Alexander Payne is as a filmmaker, but I actually have not seen most of his films. Um, he did, uh, he's most known for Sideways and Election. Um, he did Downsizing a few years ago, which also was polarizing. People either loved or most people actually fucking hated it. Um, he did About Schmidt. He saw. He did The Descendants, which is actually the only other film of his I've seen. But I really liked it a lot. And it wasn't quite what I expected it to be. I, I don't know what I expected it to be. But I love that this movie was made because there aren't films that are made like this anymore. There are not just these kind of heartwarming sort of comedy drama films that like, it's very much hearkening back to the seventies and it's a fucking heartbreaker that he didn't actually shoot it on film. Um, Although I did say in my review on Letterboxd that it is maybe the most convincing fake film grain I have ever, ever seen because at first it tricked me, but then something happened where I'm like, something is not adding up here fully. And I Googled it and I was like, holy fuck it's shot digitally. That's insane. Um, it's very, very convincing. And I love the whole title credit sequence and, and all of that. I, I, I really love this movie um, a lot. And I mentioned laugh out loud moments. I would say that this film alongside dream scenario has in the top two laugh out loud, funniest moments for me of the entire year. Um, when Paul Giamatti is, um, well, I'm not going to spoil for anyone who hasn't seen, but there's a funny moment, like literally with like 10 minutes left in the film where he looks at like the headmaster of the school and he delivers one of the funniest fucking lines ever um, that made me laugh out loud so hard. Uh, and I will definitely use on people 100% moving forward, but great, great film. Um, I know it was on your list at what number seven or eight or something, but what did, what did you think about it? I went to see it by myself. I think, two or three days ago and it was the last showing of it and someone recommended it to me like i want to mention it ben um, from uh-huh. an instagram friend he mentioned it and he said you gotta watch this you're gonna love it and i looked and i saw it's the last screening and i had some money so i was like why not just go see it and it blew me away it's an instant christmas classic for me like it's instantly just one of the greatest and my favorite Christmas films and it's so wholesome and truly like you said like a lot of people say they don't make these films anymore and 
I'm so glad someone did and someone even like, included the classic look even in the beginning when the yeah film starts with like the crack of the sound and the film grain and it, it looks amazing it's so wholesome Paul Giamatti it's I think my favorite performance of his I think he, yeah, he did a great job get an Oscar for this and it's just this film is incredible and I'm so glad I, I got a chance to see it on a big screen and that just made me appreciate it so much more because it looked amazing yeah, you make a good point. I could definitely see myself putting this on like every Christmas or like every December. Like this is a certified kind of holiday film that it, it's got the, just the perfect amount of cheesiness. That's like mm-hmm. it's the perfect amount of cheese on this movie. Not too much. Um, not too much, thing? not too little. It's just perfect. It's exactly what was needed for this type of movie. Um, you really nailed the, 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 the nail on the head there um with this with this film and it made me really want to go check out more of alexander payne's films especially sideways in election i know i'm sleeping on those films i know they're both very well respected and regarded so got to get up on those but yeah number same. five the uh the holdovers mm-hmm. same i haven't seen those as well this was when i first film of his yeah video. i guess um, I'm okay next. what's your number four yeah, yeah. you're number four so my next film is mission and Impe- mission impossible dead reckoning part one had to include this one. I talked about yeah. it on the podcast. This is, as well as John Wick 4, like this is one of the best action films ever made. And Tom Cruise does it again. Tom Cruise is a madman. He is actually insane. He tries to kill himself with every new film he makes. And the comparison with Buster Keaton is so warranted because he did the same back then. Like he just tried to kill himself every yeah. film and I watched the general right before this one which i recommend to everyone who hasn't seen the new mission impossible yet watch the general before this one and it will, it will enhance your experience because it was a big influence on this and you can tell that buster keaton was a big influence on tom cruise because he just said i'm gonna do what he, he did but like a million times crazier and that's what he did and that's what he accomplished and he is the greatest action star ever and he is maybe one of the best actors to ever live and i'll be so sad when he kills himself in a film or when he retires or when he dies of natural ways because (laughs) this dude for me is immortal i love tom cruise he's an incredible actor and mission impossible continues to be one of my favorite franchises i love it more than james bond which people would kill me for but ethan hunt would shred james bond that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) <laughs> i love it i this I, I was in a in a mission impossible binge earlier in the year i think i made it up to mission impossible maybe i just watched the first three i had seen number four in the past mm-hmm. um uh fuck why like right yeah or where i don't know why movie. i why i did i was watching it with my my ex-girlfriend at the time we were binging and maybe that's why but um mm-hmm. i uh i i uh i i i really want to see it i i'm kind of pissed because the whole reason i was watching all of them from the beginning was like i've got to go see this new one because it's supposed to be so insane um but i love that analogy with tom cruise and buster keaton that's a fantastic comparison you can maybe like catch up to it before the new one comes out because i think they're going to re-release this one on theaters because it didn't do as well so people have a chance to watch it and then watch the oh new ones. okay cool you might have a chance cool. but yeah and that's going to be a 2024 release right I'm not sure. 
it was supposed to, but I think it might get delayed. But I'm not oh, sure. Interesting. We'll okay. See. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, my number, four. my number four you mentioned earlier in your honorable mentions, and that's Theater Camp. Uh, yeah. It cracked the top five for me. Um, was shot on 16 millimeter. It looks so fucking good. Um, and I, this was the most like laugh, like like laugh per minute of a film that I saw this year. This one took the cake. Like this, I was laughing from start to end. Um, I I feel like maybe not as many people got around to this one, or it's maybe not being talked about. It's very much in the vein for people who are fans of like Best in Show, for people who are fans of The Office. Um, this is like that, but it's it is so funny. It is just so funny. All the characters are so good. Um, it clearly comes from a very personal place, which it turns out most of the stars um, were all writers on it. Like Molly Gard- Gordon, who plays the uh, the female lead, she was one of the directors and one of the writers. Um, ben Platt, who was like the lead guy, was one of the writers. Um, I thought Jimmy Tatro gave one of the best supporting performances of the year. He He very much is just playing himself that broy fratty kind of dude but it was it was just so perfect for this and he really shows like a lot of heart in it too and um i was very 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 pleasantly surprised i thought it was just going to be another kind of run of the mill sort of you know quirky sort of comedy but i really 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 loved this movie way more than i thought i was going to and um yeah, man, I, I, I cannot wait to just rewatch it for years and years to come. I mean, this this really was laugh out loud hilarious to me um, for a straight 90 minutes. It was, it was perfect. Nice, sweet, funny, shot like a documentary, loved it, shot on like every it just hit, checked every single box for me. Every single box it. it hit for me. It hit every last one. Yeah. It was so great. And I watched it and I was surprised, but because I haven't really heard about anything, I just saw it on Disney Plus. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to check it out. And you can tell this comes from a very personal story. Like even in the beginning, they show actual footage of the two main. Yeah. Yeah. Of them, like Molly Gordon and, and just them as a kids, because they're actually lifelong friends and they like were yeah. here, here together. And they had so many great moments. I love the, the moment where they have like the kids have their auditions and one of the, and he like, what's his name? Troy, like he, the the son of of uh, I forgot her name. He, he runs the camp. Yeah, now. The, the the Jimmy Tatro character. Yes, exactly. His name is Troy, and he falls asleep. And then this one kid comes and he starts singing. Yeah, what, what does he it? sing again? Post Malone. Wait, what? What song was it? It was a Post Malone song. Oh yeah, that's right. It wasn't Celebration, just... but it was something like that. And he's like, "Yo, yeah. you know Celebration." He gets up and he like loses his mind. He's like, "That's what I'm talking about." That yes. was so funny. And another great Alan Kim, the kid from Minari. He is the oh. little, the little kid who always like sneaks into the office and he wants. To yes, be, he's like, the agent. An agent. Yeah. And he calls yes. some random people like, "This is the opportunity of the lifetime." And he was the funniest person in this film. I loved his little here and there, his little roles and his little scenes. It was so funny and creative. I love this film. It's it's really I I love that you brought that up. I completely forgot about that kid. I never saw Minari, so I didn't put two and two together that he was in it. Um, but that kid was amazing, and 
I think that scene you mentioned of, of Jimmy Tatro getting up and dancing to the Post Malone and sing along is like one of the best parts of this film. And it, it's like, it's super funny and it's hilarious as a bit, but also it's just like, it is showing like, hey, this is like a three-dimensional thing. Like we can be as new and creative and use modern stuff. And it's, I, I don't know, it kind of broke down the veil of like what pretentiousness could be on a, on a project. I, I, I don't know. I really like this movie a lot, but uh, I could talk about it forever. So that was my number four theater camp, uh, Molly Gordon. And uh, what was the name of the director? Nick Lieb- Lieberman. Lieberman. Um, yeah. And this started off as a short film as well uh, that they were able to then build up into a feature, which is worth noting. Sure, yeah. That's very cool. So that's my number four. Uh, all right. We're now in our top three territory. I have a feeling. I think I know what your top three is. I don't know the order, but I think I know what it is. Maybe. But anyway, let's let's hear your number three. Okay, the next one. I'm not sure if you're gonna if you would guess this one, but it's Perfect Days, which is Wim Wenders' okay, no. l- latest film. The other two, you know for sure, but this one only saw recently, a week ago, and it instantly jumped into one of my favorite films of all time. I give it a five out of five. Like this film blew me away, and I remember you mentioned like films that are very Dino films. Yeah, this is, is one this of one of them? This is 100% one of them. It's, it really healed me. Like, it's such a meditative, zen-like state film. And it's about this guy who lives in Japan. He's, he's Japanese and he is, he cleans public toilets in Japan. And that's the whole film. He goes from toilet to toilet. He goes from his day to day. It's just one day after the other and pretty much does the same thing every single day but it's so wholesome and there was an old couple next to me and they absolutely hated this film like every time a new day started they're like is this going to be the whole film this is so shit and like even the 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 wife said like let's just go and he's like no i'm going i want to see if this is actually the whole film and it was funny that they were like this but i was just there and in awe of what i'm seeing it's it's right up my alley. It's so calm. And like I said, it really healed me. Like I watched it and afterwards I just felt like my whole spirit was cleansed because this guy and he is played by Koji Yakusho, I think. I hope I didn't Mm -hmm. butcher that name, but he plays this old man and he is just so full of life and happiness. And every day he does these little things. Like there's one thing where there's one public toilet and someone put like a piece of paper with a tic-tac-toe grid on there and started it and put it like behind the toilet and every day he would go there and play with that person and that's like <laughs> that's kind awesome. of a joke where he just like plays tic-tac-toe with that person and in the end the person just leaves the note with like thank you and a little smiley and just knowing he made her day better and he's just such a wholesome guy and this film, there's really not much to talk about in terms of plot. There's just things that happen. He has a a sister who comes. She has a daughter. Like every day is just something new, and but every day is a perfect day. And even those little things, like they matter and they make each day so perfect. Like there's one thing where every day he takes a little photograph of the the trees and the leaves, like in the wind, and he does it every single day. And he has like boxes full of just like that picture in the exact same spot but every time it's different because the leaves aren't in the same position yeah. things like that just make this film and he has it has a banger soundtrack it has one of the best soundtracks and dude wim wenders 
dude doesn't miss. And I'm so glad I caught this in theaters. It's incredible. I highly recommend it. It might bore you. It might bore a lot of people. But if it doesn't, it will, it will hit that spot that you're looking for. And it will heal you. Trust me. So great. I love it, man. I love Vin Vendors. And we, I know we've talked about him a lot. He's made some of my favorite films like The American Friend and Paris, Texas and, mm-hmm. and Alice in the Cities and stuff. But this was not really, I don't even know if it's gotten released over here. Uh, it makes sense now because I, I guess, you know, he, him being a German filmmaker, maybe he has a little a bit more. Between Japan and Germany. So and that's Germany. Okay. We got it earlier, but I hope it releases over there. And I hope so too. I've it. never, yeah, I've, I, I didn't even hear about it, to be honest, until I think I saw you post about it on, on Letterboxd um, or, or Instagram or something. But yeah, I'm, uh, I, I just added it to the watch list. I'm very curious to see because it seems kind of like a Vim Vendor sort of movie, but also seems sort of not at the same time. Um, anyway, that's interesting. Now that now that I'm thinking about your top three or top two, now I'm like, oh, one of these movies means it's not in its top 10. And I'm very curious to know which of these three movies in my head did not make your top 10. But we'll get to that in a sec. I'll drop my 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 third favorite film of the mm-hmm. year. Um, which I don't know that we we talked about it all together. I'm not sure. And that was Sofia Coppola's film, Priscilla, um, which was the, and not that it was, they're, they're having a dialogue. They're two completely separate things, but sort of, I guess, the cultural response to Elvis, which I just saw recently, uh, actually, for the first time yeah. ever. Okay. Um, I think it's fucking awful. I think it's one of the worst films I've ever seen. I think it's terrible. <laughs> but Priscilla, I'm like, this is a goddamn motion picture film i'm like this is a great film it is one of those that i will say it kind of pisses me off and i i hate being that guy but the fact that she shot it digitally actually did this a disservice this could be film number one if she shot it on film because it deserves that but like it's in parts it's a little too polished and this is just me getting too nitpicky with it where it looks too polished and I'm like, this is like a very low key, like kind of a dirtier sort of movie. Um, but it's unbelievable. This girl, uh, Kaylee Spaney, uh, plays Priscilla. She is fantastic. Jacob Elordi fucking kills it as Elvis. Um, the script is so good. It's based off Priscilla Presley's like actual memoir. Um, so it's based on real things that she told and a lot of people did not like this film. A lot of Elvis like superstands are actively going out and shitting on it, um, rating it poorly on purpose. I know Lisa Marie Presley famously stood against this film, and she she passed away before the film could even come out. Um, but Priscilla Presley, however, has stood behind it. She's actually an executive producer on the film. She one hundred percent stands behind it, and to me. The fact that she is standing behind it, and I do love that she also loved Elvis, but the fact that she loves and stands behind this is everything that I needed to know about who she is and like what this film is and that it is clearly based in fact. And it's really three-dimensional because it's a lot of people are like, this is portraying Elvis in a bad way and he's abusive. It's like, no, it's just portraying him as human. Like the Elvis film portrays him as this like god and it shows him being imperfect, but it almost is like this Jesus complex. Like, oh, the dirty old colonel, he did this to him. Oh, this kooky old guy. And it's like, that's a fact. But like, El- what are your thoughts on the Elvis film? Because we've never talked about it before because I never saw it. But what are your thoughts on it? I, I liked it, actually. 
I understand okay. why a lot of people don't, but I agree with what you say. And I was excited to watch Priscilla. I unfortunately didn't get to see it because it left cinema before I got the chance to, but I want to. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I 100% agree with the light the Elvis film put it on. Like he's this God, he can do no wrong. It wasn't his fault. And what Priscilla does, and I know that the Elvis house, like they're at, they asked her to not make this. They were so yeah. much against it. And that just makes me want to see it that much more. And I want to see like how Elvis was portrayed in that. And just to, just to form my own opinion and just to see what someone else like ha has to say about him and that's his wife like she definitely it's, has it's something. a perfect response to elvis mm -hmm. and i think i'm in a weird place where i saw priscilla first before i saw elvis so my mm -hmm. viewing of elvis was informed by priscilla as opposed to most people priscilla their 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 vision of priscilla was informed by elvis um and to me i won million it's not even close not even in the same ballpark think Jacob Elordi does a way better job than Austin Butler. People will fucking kill me for that because people think that that's the greatest performance that's ever been given. Um, and it would be if Elvis was an actual serious movie and not a fucking cartoon. Because to me, I'm like, this is like, it's disrespectful to Austin Butler. This man went full on method and you made this dweeby ass cartoon bullshit movie. This is all just my opinion. I'm not saying this objectively and everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But to me, I'm like, this is like if Mike Myers went full method for Austin Powers. Like, it's a joke. It's a cartoon of a movie. It's nothing. They're, it's it's garbage. You know what I mean? So it's it mm -hmm. felt disrespectful to me that Austin Butler went through all that and this was the final product that you gave the fucking world was this kind of a joke of a movie. Mm -hmm. Again, my own thoughts. But Priscilla, I'm like, this is a great fucking film. Jacob Elordi kills it. Um, and 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 it's and you can tell that through the memoir, it's it is there's a lot of gray area that maybe he wasn't perfect, but at the same time, there is something genuine there. There is true love there. Um, and it is not at all a bashing on Elvis by any means. It's just showing him as a human person, is all. And people don't like to see that version of him. Um but anyway, a great, fantastic film. I'll stop shitting on Elvis now. But uh, yeah, great, great fucking movie. I think you'll really, really enjoy it. And I'd be curious to know your thoughts as someone who saw Elvis first and is now going into Priscilla, as opposed to me, who's maybe, you know, one in a thousand who went the other way around. So, oh, But I definitely think that I like Priscilla and what I, because I'm not like a big Elvis fan. Sure, I like his music, but I'm not like, if I wouldn't consider myself a fan and yeah, and like both movies exist because this one, of course, it's more cartoonish and like yeah. over the top and more so in what Elvis' his style was. But then you have this different perspective with Priscilla, like what the reality was more like. And I, yeah. I like both films exist. And you mentioned cartoon. They actually made an Elvis cartoon where he's secretly an agent. I don't know if you've heard about that, but it's on Netflix. No, he's a that sounds agent. fucking awesome, actually. I can't also, lie. And Matthew McConaughey, I think, voices Elvis. So, oh really? Yeah, I need to check that oh, out. I've, I've never even heard of this. That sounds fucking awesome. Netflix, I think, and yeah, I just like that both exist. You know, you have this more grounded, more realistic, and you have this over the top Buzz Lerman. She was born to make Elvis. His style just lends itself to Elvis perfectly. But I 100% understand what you mean. Yeah. I think I just don't like Baz Luhrmann. I think I just don't like him. I don't like his style. I don't like yeah. 
his movies. I think that's just my, I think that's what it is. Yeah, but with this one, it fits at least. Like, this makes sense. Like, this it style. makes sense. It makes sense that this matched up. But to me, I guess also after seeing Priscilla first, I'm like, this seems false. This all seems like a, a, a sham. This seems fake yeah. to me. Um, and I fucking hate Tom Hanks at this point in history, too. Which, again, I'm, I'm a hater today on this pod. I cannot stand that fucking guy anymore. Um, so anyway, let's, let's stop. I don't want to sound like a hater on this episode. Let's celebrate 2023. What's, I'm curious to hear your top two now. Um, because there are three Dino films I'm expecting to hear. And that means I'm only going to hear two of them. So what's, what's number two? I'm interested to hear which one didn't make. Before I get into that, can we just talk about how Jacob already had one hell of a year? Like this was his year. Dude. Yes. This. He's become one of my favorite actors. He's kind of like, I think he's going to take on a Gosling type of character arc, like a a Gosling, Robert Pattinson type character arc in terms of what he's going to do with his career. And I'm 100 fucking percent here for it. And he might, I'll go ahead and say this. I think he actually has the best taste of all three potentially because Ryan Gosling is starting to let me the fuck down. His movie choices that he's been taking are, are really letting me down. And, uh, I think Jacob Elordi has amazing taste and seeing what he's going to do in 2024, cough, cough, Paul Schrader, which I want to talk about later. Um, mm. I cannot fucking wait for it. And the sweeties, like I mentioned, I can't wait to see him in that. He's, this dude is unbelievable. He's, he, I'm about to change my fucking Instagram to young ex Elordi instead of young ex <laughs> This I, I'm, I'm here on the ground floor for him. He's fucking unbelievable. Dude, he is, he's incredible. And this year, I mean, I, I it didn't put Saltburn <laughs> on my list. I don't know if you expected this mm-hmm. one, but I liked it a lot. I watched it last night and I thought it was incredible. And dude, he just, Jacob Elordi had the best year, I think, for any actor. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I thought Saltburn was going to make, I didn't think it was going to be in your top two or okay. three. I thought it was going to make your list. I thought we were going to discuss it because, and again, I don't want to be a hater. I could not, I, I have thoughts on that film, but we're not going to get into it. We'll talk about it Maybe off pod some other time. Yeah. Or we can talk about it next week. It's still too fresh yeah. to put it on. It could yeah. have made up 10, but it's still too fresh. So I loved it. That's all right. Well, what's your, what's your number two? My number two is it's Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. You didn't expect Okay, this wow. One. So this, this top, wow. Okay, so right now, neither of those were my top. I forgot about that. That should have been in there. I just didn't even think about it. But now okay. I'm about to be fucking mind blown at what your number one is going to be. I have I have no idea what your number one will be now at this point. But anyway, keep going. Damn. Now you got me confused. Like, which two films did I forget? But, okay. So, Spider-Man Across <laughs> Spider-Verse, I talked about it. This was one of the best... Like, this was one of the greatest theater experiences I've had. Yeah. I was blown away. The animation, it's one of the best, if not the best animated film. We talked about this, and we talked about part twos and part threes and whatever and movies that are split into two, but this one blew me away. I mean, I grew up with comic books. Comic books have a very special place in my heart, especially Spider-Man, and I learned reading through comic books. Like, before I could read, my dad used to buy me comic books. He grew up in Yugoslavia. He was born there, and they had, like, different types of, like, action and spy and satirical comic books from Italy and U.S. and things like that, so... When we were in Germany, he would like buy me comic books just because they made him happy as a child and he couldn't afford a lot of them. And 
you know, before I could read, I would just look at the pictures. And then once I started learning to read, I could just go back. And I remember just pulling out this huge box of comic books, laying them on the floor and just sitting there all day and just reading the comic books that I've previously only seen the images. And that just opened up, of course, a whole new world of storytelling uh, once both work together. But yeah, this film, like I no, I, I remember like I got really into comic books again once I got my allowance. And that was around like 2012, 2013, when once I was like 13, 14, 15. And that's right around the time where in the comics, I got to the comic store and I saw Death of Spider-Man. And that's before I was able to use the internet really. So I didn't really know what this was. This blew my mind, like what what's happening? What do you mean Spider-Man dies? And of course, in comic books, heroes always die, but this was such a big event for me. And once he died, like later, Miles Morales took over as the Spider-Man in the Ultimate Universe. And so I was with Miles Morales all the way from his creation in 2011 or 12, I think, to now and seeing him helm this, the, the best Spider-Man movie, in my opinion. And, you know, just to see how far from his creation he has come and what kind of inspiration and now... Before that, everyone was like, oh, Spider-Man is Peter Parker. But now everyone knows, like, Spider-Man, there are a lot of Spider-Man and everyone can helm the title of Spider-Man. And it's not Miles Morales, it's he's also Spider-Man. And that's just the way it inspired a lot of kids of color and just kids in general. It's just, it's so incredible to see him. You know, I know he's a fictional character, but I'm so proud of, like, him and all the creators and things like that to see where we at right now with Spider-Man and with Miles and all of that. And with this film, it's just a love letter to Spider-Man. It's a love letter to comic books. And I mean, what else can I say? It's just one of the best animated films and the best comic book film ever made. So yeah, that's all I have to say about my love for Miles Morales, for Spider-Man and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Hell yeah. And I can't wait for part three in 2036 to come out. And, uh, you know, we can talk about it then, maybe with our grandchildren. Maybe, maybe you like it more once you have, like, the finished story. Yeah, and I still enjoyed it, but I'm just like, just end the goddamn film or make it a series at that point. Don't don't hold me out for two plus years. That's mm -hmm. the issue that I have. But um, the first one uh, we've talked about, I think, is one of the all-time great kind of superhero Marvel films maybe ever made. I think it's fantastic. Absolutely. Um, okay. My number two, which you brought up, you have not seen yet, um, but really blew me away. I thought it was fantastic. And that's May, December, uh, the Todd Haynes film with Julianne Moore and, um, and Natalie Portman. Although I think it's more important to note um, Charles Melton, who not just gives probably the best supporting performance of the year or one of them, but just one of the best performances in general, um, where he's not asked to do much but he's also asked to do so much at the same time um this is somebody who uh was pretty much groomed at, at a young age uh and is now he's not catatonic but it's almost like his brain has been wiped and he doesn't feel fully human and it's it's very tough to get that that weird that middle ground of somebody who is very human and not human like at the same time um and it's he gives an unbelievable performance that once you see it i, I already know you're gonna just you're, you're gonna devour you're gonna eat that shit up or yeah i already know um because it's so damn good and um 
and, and Natalie Portman is fantastic. Julianne Moore is great. Todd Haynes is a fantastic director. And it's cool and it's interesting because it is like a serious sort of film, but it's funny at the same time. And it's shot like a corny Lifetime special. And I think Todd Haynes has a way of sort of grabbing on to things in pop culture and really using not just the stories, but the formats to his advantage. Um, and this is a nice digitally shot Lifetime film. Like it is, that's exactly what it is, but it's directed by Todd Haynes and it has a great, uh, a great cast of actors, but it is a Lifetime movie. And there's a weird like dichotomy that it makes it almost feel Lynchian in a weird way because it feels like, oh, a nice, you know, cleaned up sort of polished um, story that's very like cliche and uh, unoriginal. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's a weird combination of what he does and it really adds to the tone. And, um, and I think he's almost sort of making fun at our, um, obsession with these lifetime sort of specials with these sort of um you know reenactments of of real things and it's very much inspired um i forget the name of the the lady but it's very much inspired by that real story of that woman who began a relationship with that 12 year old asian boy um but uh but yeah fantastic fantastic movie very funny very dark very sad um and also very interesting and you're just in the hands of a complete master when you're watching this by, by way of Todd Haynes, one of the, just the great directors that, that we have in, uh, in America. So shout out to May, December. Great, great film. I cannot wait for you to see it. Yeah. This was super hype for me ever since you mentioned it and talked about it as like, as soon as you put it on your story, I was like, okay, this, this is gonna like be one of the all time greats, but this is a very weird situation because it's a Netflix film, but yeah. it's not out on netflix for most of the world it's just us canada and i think the uk the rest of the world yeah. didn't get it and it doesn't make sense i guess i mean i'm sure there's a lot more to it there's a rights because it wasn't it wasn't made by netflix they made it I themselves and i think that's where the issue lies is that netflix just bought it for distribution like north america i think that's probably it, but it's still a shame because Netflix whole thing yeah. was everything like everywhere exactly. at the same time, but it's just not. And it's a shame because this is one of my most anticipated films. And I hope if not on Netflix, it comes out anywhere. Really, I'm going to pay for it. Like if it's yeah. 10 bucks, on if Amazon, it comes in theaters, if it comes in theaters, go see it in, in the big screen. I would love to. And I hope it does. Like, I'm just so excited to watch it. And hope i can soon i hope i don't have to wait a long time and i hope it comes out like maybe it doesn't even come out which would be a shame but i hope it comes out in like a theater so i can properly watch it and then report back to you yeah i'm curious to know uh your thoughts but that's my number two and dino there are four films swirling around in my head really a top three that i think could be in your number one but you could blow my mind with this number okay, one spot i'm very ones? I'm, no, no, no. I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it after you you say what it is. Okay. Because I don't want to so inform or or change anything. What's your number one? My number one, and I I wanted to say like this is so obvious for anyone who knows me, but apparently not. And I'm I'm so excited to hear which other films. But my number one film of this year is Past Lives. Okay, that's I was expecting that to be in the top three. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
I, I expected it to be number one. I really did. But okay. the other two, I thought for sure Barbie was going to get a mention in the top 10, 100%, because I know you really loved that movie. But now that I know Barbie's not in it, it makes sense that Oppenheimer isn't either, which it's funny. Neither of those films made either of our top 10s. Um, but I, I, thought, I thought they were going to make it in there, especially Barbie. Maybe not so much Oppenheimer, but I really thought Barbie was going to make it in your top your top three, not even just the top 10. I'll make your top three. I understand. And it might have put, I didn't really think all too much about it because I like Barbie, but it didn't stick with me personally as much as these other yeah. films. Yes, I but agree. Barbie was amazing. So it definitely, it should have, we should have made an honorable mention. But at the same time, Barbie was so popular and so well known. And everyone saw it. And had we talked about it to so, death already as well. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it does well on its own. It managed to be like the most popular film of 2023. Yeah. so. So, yeah. But what, what was the, the third one? It, it, it was Past Lives. Um, Oppenheimer and Barbie were like the top three that I thought. Um, and then I thought for a moment, I thought maybe you would throw in like Killers of the Flower Moon, like somewhere mm. in there. But then as the list was going, I was like, yeah, actually, no, I don't think it's going to be in here. But those three, and then I, I forgot about Spider, uh, the Spider-Verse even being a film from this mm. year, or else 100% that obviously was going to be in your top three. I knew that for a fact. Once you said that, I was like, oh, duh, of course. <laughs> that makes sense though, like, Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon, both amazing films, and it has a right to be on a lot of people's top 10 list. It just didn't make mine, but they're yeah. amazing films. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's past lives, and there's not much else I can say about it because I already talked about it in a podcast, but yeah, it's a film that it's right up my alley. We talked about it. I saw it in theaters by myself, and I was just... It was like a dream, like watching this film. It's in my top 10 of all time, for sure. It just blew me away. It's an amazing film. And yeah, there's not much else I can say because I've been talking about this film yeah. ever since I saw it. Like I've been thinking about this film every day. And I just hope to someday make a film as great as this. And I don't know how Celine Song, I don't know how this is her first film. It's just, if you if you make a first film and it's, this one, like she could retire and she would be one of the greatest filmmakers, in my opinion. But I'm glad she's not stopping and she's making more in. Past Life is amazing. You have to check it out. Everyone listening to this, check it out. And it's one of the all-time greats. Yeah. I, again, this is one that I missed this year. Um, I have not heard a single negative thing about it. Um, I don't know why I didn't get around to it. I think because maybe it just doesn't seem like my type of movie on its face, but also maybe kind of is at the same time. Um, I don't know. Just haven't gotten around to it yet, but it is out there. And that Master Gardener, I got to get to ASAP um, from this year. Um, that's awesome. I have a feeling. And I need that because I realized now, and there's a nice little segue, there weren't many films this year that really kind of evoked that sort of emotion out of me, I feel like now that I'm looking at the list, except mm -hmm. for my number one film, that was a gut punch to me, and that was Anatomy of a Fall, um, the Justine Trier uh, film that um, is starring Sandra Hewler, who is, she's having a great year too. I think it's Hewler. I, I, I might be pronouncing that wrong, German. Um, mm -hmm. But she's also the lead in the zone of interest. So she's got two massive films out this year that are both like 
kind of the European darling films of the year, it seems like. Um, and it's crazy. Anatomy of a Fall actually isn't even going to be up for an Oscar because it did not win the French vote for the Oscars for international feature. They did not get the French nod. Um, fuck, I forget what movie. Was it Fallen Leaves, maybe? Um, so an, another film got the French nod, um, but not Anatomy of a Fall, which I'm, I'm shocked by, but I, I hope still we'll get some buzz at the Oscars. Not that I really give a shit about the Oscars, but it's deserving. Um, but this movie is fantastic. It is shot so well. Um, I, I mean, the, the way that the story is told, the choices that the director makes, I'm unfamiliar with who she is as a filmmaker apart from this. But um, again, a, a supporting performance that will really knock your socks off. There's this kid, Milo Machado uh, Granier, I think is the name, or Grainer. Um, this young kid, he's not actually blind, but he plays a blind kid in the film. This, I mean, this kid is unreal. The dog in this film, the dog actually has a credit even here on, on Letterboxd. His name is Messi. This is the greatest dog performance ever. And I don't want to cheapen the film because that's what everyone on Letterboxd, which I'm starting to hate the fucking Letterboxd reviews and comments these days. Um, cause they're all like, wow, get an Oscar for that dog. And it's like, okay. The dog is fantastic, but let's not cheapen the film because this is one of the best films that has been made in the 2020s in general. So let's not cheapen it with just some corny joke about the dog. But it is worth mentioning this dog literally like there is one scene. I don't know how it was done. Like I've even listened to every interview there is out there and she explains but she explains in the most like, oh, the dog was talented, like in the most like basic way where there is no answer. It makes no fucking sense. And I'm not going to say what happens. But the dog does something that I've never seen an animal do on film ever. It literally does things that some humans can't even do convincingly. It's fucking crazy. Um, Dude, but you just, I mean, I was already sold on this film, but now I'm even more so because what was. It's crazy. And also, I, I also, but like I said, I don't want it to overshadow the actual film, but it mm -hmm. is just worth mentioning that. But like in general, because this kid, Milo, it gives one of the. I mean, best young performances I've ever seen. Um, it, I mean, really brought me to fucking tears. Like, this is a really, really, like, three-dimensional movie. It's just, man, I, I, I can't really even form into words how much I loved it. And the way that they chose to tell the story, and it, a lot of it is really in the courtroom, um, for the most part, which I was not expecting it to just be kind of a courtroom sort of drama but still in the way that they're able to tell the story through that, which the whole thing isn't, it's, it's not like a, a few good men, but maybe a solid 50% of the film is in a courtroom, if not more. Um, but the way that they tell it in one scene in particular, where there's an audio recording of an argument and then you're seeing it visually. And then there comes a key moment where you're now back in the courtroom and you can only listen and you can't make out who is doing what and who's saying what. And it's just, it's it it's incredible. This movie is really fantastic. Um, I think it should win every fucking Oscar this year. I think it's amazing. Um, and I, I it made me even more excited to see the zone of interest because this woman Sandra uh, Hewler would that be the pr correct German pronunciation? Hewler or Hewler? H U L L E R has the two Hula. dots over the U. Hula. Okay. Hula. I think let, yes. let me check because I don't know. What are those two dots called? Excuse my American ignorance. Well, they're they're called U. Okay. Is it is it a U or a O? U. U. Oh, U. So it's U. 
You. Okay. Yeah, um, it's Zandra Hula is her name. Hula. Okay. Hula. She's incredible. She's very fucking good in this. She's having um, a great year, like with Zone of Interest and in Anatomy of Fall. She's the Jacob Elordi of Europe. Of, it seems. of women. Of European. Um, yeah. Willem, uh, willing, uh, women. It's crazy. But great movie. Um, yeah, I, I could go on about it all day. But anyway, that's that's my top 10. Um, that's your top 10. I, I, I love, we did not have much crossover. I think the only crossover was the holdovers in the top 10. Yeah, and that's true. Theater Camp was an honorable mention for you, and, and Infinity Pool was an honorable mention for me. Um, but other than that, there was really no crossover. I think, I think that's awesome. And um, I'm glad that Barbie, not that they're undeserving or have any hate for those movies, but I'm glad that they we didn't talk about them because we did talk about both of those films like ad nauseum and, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad this, this was a really great year. And I, I think that we, uh, got to see some awesome movies and we still have some others. So maybe next episode we can even do a catch up if there's any additional 2023 films we missed, um, coming up or maybe once it comes to like Oscar season, maybe in like a month or so, then we can get back at it and do an episode like that and, and talk more. But before we log off, and I I, I got to get out of here in a, a few minutes, we're a little crunch for time today. I want to know: Do you have any super anticipated films of two thousand twenty four that you can't wait to see? Well, let me actually check the list real quick because th- there are a couple. Like Dune Part Two obviously comes to mind. My yeah. most anticipated is Nosferatu, like Robert Eggers. Yeah, Nosferatu. can't wait for that Christmas over here at least. Absolutely cannot wait. Mickey Seventeen, I'm super excited yeah. for. It. That's one. Gladiator 2, of course. Challengers with Zendaya. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's one more that I need to mention. Megalopolis is coming out this year, which yes. was confirmed by Francis Ford Dude, he financed it himself. Like, I cannot wait yes. to see what he cooked. Absolutely stacked cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, completely in control of his own vision. Like, I'm very, very excited to see what he's been chefing up all these years. Hell yeah. And there's one more movie that I found out about recently. It's called The Taste of Things. And it premiered in like in festivals a couple of months ago, but it comes out in 2024 for me at least. And it sounds super interesting. It's a movie about like cooking and I'm not actually sure what it's about, but I've heard great things. I've heard people talk about it. I saw some screenshots and it just looks incredible. Interesting. This seems like a very Dino movie. I hope so. I mean, I don't know what it's about really, but I'm excited to check it out. And there's a new Planet of the Apes film, which we talked about. So yes. That's, that's... And Fall Guys. And Fall Guy called. Yeah. I can't wait for Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. I can't wait to see where they take that story and where that whole saga is going to go now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those um, were... From... Mine. I'm probably forgetting a couple of things, but let's hear yours. Yeah, no, I think I think you got a good a good solid list there. I'm I'm obviously super excited um, for Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. I'm super excited for Mickey Seventeen, um, Benny Safdie's new movie with The Rock, which we mentioned uh-huh. earlier, The Smashing Machine. Can't wait for. Um, mentioned the Jacob Elordi Paul Schrader film, which is Paul Schrader teaming back up with Richard Gere since American Gigolo. Um, mm-hmm. That's for O Canada. Uh, I cannot wait for that movie. Um, the Bike Riders, the Jeff Nichols film with Austin yeah. Butler and Tom Hardy. Can't wait for that. 
Um, here I have a whole list here. Weapons, which is the Zach Krieger follow-up to Barbarian. Um, he described it, he describes it as Magnolia, but a horror film, um, which sounds so sick. Um, it has Pedro Pascal in it, uh, Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, I think those are just the few that have been named so far. And then there is a movie that I saw yesterday that I, I didn't watch, but I, I, I pulled it up, found out about it yesterday. Um, which is directed by Nathan Zellner, who is um, one of the directors of The Curse with uh, um, uh, Benny Safdie and them, alongside his brother, David Zellner. And it's a movie called Sasquatch Sunset. And I believe it's starring Jesse Eisenberg, Riley Keough, and Nathan Zellner as three Sasquatches. And you're nodding your head. I'm assuming you have heard of this film. I never knew this existed until yesterday. And I think this might be my number one most anticipated movie of the year. I can't fucking wait. Howdy, I love that I've heard about it. And it sounds wild. I I think this one is actually in my top five as well. Most anticipated ones. Because it just sounds wild. It's, it's yeah, it is. Um, I, I can't wait. Especially because I, I had no idea these were the dudes who who did the curse because nathan fielder has directed a fair amount but then you do see the names um you know david zellner nathan zellner later on but um it is uh you know how much i love that series so to see them now make a movie that seems also super fucking weird and has a cool cast by way of jesse eisenberg and riley keogh makes me very excited so those are some of the ones that i'm most anticipating for 2024 i feel like 2024 it's going to be a really cool year. I think it's going to be a weird year. Like there's going to be a lot of cool, unique, weird movies. Um, obviously there's civil war that's coming out in a few months, which we got trailers for and um, a lot of cool stuff. I'm curious to see Alex Garland redeem himself. I wasn't a big fan of men. I don't think you were either. I think we talked about that very briefly once. Mm -hmm. um, and I love his other two films really very much. So I want to know if he's going to get back to it. I honestly don't have the biggest um, expectations set up for it or the highest hopes. I just want to go in low expectations and then just be surprised if that's the case. But cast looks awesome. Um, excited for that. So uh, yeah, that's, that's our year end uh, episode. And, uh, and most importantly also is the first year of literally me. I think that's important to note about 2023. Yeah. And I'm excited for everything in 2024, but it's great that we have a little, like step back and see what came out in 2023, what we liked. And I think we both have great lists, a lot of variety. Yeah. And I can wait for 2024, man. It sounds amazing. It makes me so excited. So excited. Yeah. Um, well, all right, folks, thank you uh, so much for supporting the pod, for, for listening, sharing, whatever it is you guys are doing. Um, we really appreciate it. We are going to be back to our regularly scheduled, scheduled program for our next app. And then after that, It'll probably be February, so maybe we'll we'll get into our Oscar uh, episode. I don't, are the Oscars in February? They always usually are, but I feel like they might have pushed it back. Um, I'm not sure. I I never watched the Oscars, so but we can do our own little Oscar. Our own Oscars, Oscars, just to put out around the same time. Oh yeah, it comes out in March this year, so we have time. Actually, that gives us even more time to check out some of these mm -hmm. other 2023 films that we might have missed and. We can put together our own best film, best actor, best actress, director, all that sort of stuff. We'll we'll start planning for that, and we'll have another cool episode like that, I'm sure. But uh, next week we'll be back. I think next week is the 
or next up is the big short. Yep. So, yep. All right, guys. We'll be catching in on the big short, talking about uh, next up in Ryan Gosling's filmography. And uh, Dino, it's always a pleasure talking to you and uh, talk to you soon. Pleasure talking to you and we'll see each other. Well, we already are in 2024, but we'll see each other next time. <laughs> next time. Right, we'll see each other in 2024, but. With it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see each other for the rest of 2024 then, I suppose. Exactly. <laughs> bye bye. All right. See you, man.